A reading from the Gospel according to St. John in the third chapter. Glory be to you, Lord Christ. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things. Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I've told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Will you pray with me? Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are our strength and you are our Redeemer. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Amen. I invite you to be seated. Throughout Lent, there is a phrase or a refrain. There's a prayer that we hear over and over again. We begin our worship with this phrase every single week. And it comes from the writings of St. Augustine. He said, you have made us for yourself. And our hearts are forever restless until they find their rest in you. For us at St. Aidan's, it, it forms sort of a, a Lenten anthem. We hear it over and over and over again. And it reminds us that the purpose of Lent is for you and I to draw nearer to Jesus. 
to awaken hunger inside of us, not so that we can walk around looking sad all of the time or complain about how hard it is to be a Christian, but so that we can learn to hear the hungers that happen inside of us as an echo of deeper hungers within us. Because when we learn to hear those deeper echoes inside of our hearts, that longing, that hunger for Jesus, we can also learn to see and hear those same hungers in the world around us because we're surrounded by people who long to be close to Christ. This Lent, we're talking about being in the wilderness, and there's lots of different kinds of wilderness. Today, I want to talk about the wilderness that's inside us, the wilderness in our hearts. Now, we are probably very familiar with the story of Nicodemus. We've heard this many, many times, especially if you grew up in the church, you grew up hearing the story of Nicodemus. He comes at it, you know, you learn your fun little song. Jesus come, comes to Jesus in, in the nighttime, and he, he seeks him out, and then Jesus gives this verse that all of us have memorized. It's the first verse that we ever learned. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. We learn that from very, very early on. But here's, here's what happens. John is a storyteller. More than any of the other gospel writers, John, when he writes the gospel, wants to tell us a story. He wants to draw us in to what's happening. And so everything that happens along the way is intended to lead us towards something else. So when we drop into the middle of chapter 3 and we grab these two verses that are beautiful verses, we're going to talk about them this morning. But when we grab those verses and we just make them sort of the, the centerpiece of who we are and what we do, we miss the larger story that John is trying to tell. So here's this guy, Nicodemus, who only exists in John's gospel. And it's funny because it says at the beginning, there was a man who was a Pharisee, okay? This is a man who is a leader among the, the people. And his name is Nicodemus. Which doesn't sound odd to us right at first because we're used to everybody in the Bible having silly names. But his name is a Greek name. He doesn't have a Hebrew name like all of the other people that Jesus meets. He has a Greek name. His name means the people are victorious. The victory of God's people. And what does he say? He comes to Jesus. But he doesn't just come to Jesus. That's going to happen a lot in John's gospel. People are going to come to Jesus and sit down and they're going to challenge him. They're going to test him. But it says that Nicodemus came to Jesus at night. He comes to Jesus in Jerusalem at night to ask him a question. Actually, he asks him three questions. Three very important questions. Questions that reveal to us his heart and our own hearts. He comes to him at night in Jerusalem. Jesus doesn't live in Jerusalem. So wherever it is that Jesus is staying isn't Jesus' home. It could be one of his disciples' homes, or it could be one of, one of his disciples' disciples' homes. He has sort of an entourage that follows him around. So it could be in one of their homes or in the home of somebody else. He's definitely not staying at the Holiday Inn. That's not an option for him. So, so he's in somebody else's home, and this man, this 
man with a Greek name who's a leader among the people, seeks him out, but he does it at night. He comes to him at night so that no one will see him. So nobody will know that he's going over to this person. He goes to a stranger's house where Jesus is a guest, and he sits down with him, and they begin to have a conversation. And he starts by asking him three questions. The first question is, we know, Rabbi, that you come to us from God. Rabbi, we know that you come from God because no one else can do these things unless God is with him. Rabbi, are you from God? Jesus says, if you want to see God's kingdom, you have to be born again. Now, this is confusing to Nicodemus. He says, what, you, you want me to be born again? You want me to you know, go back into my mother's womb and be born? I don't understand how this works. No. You've been born of water. It's time to be born of spirit. That's how you enter the kingdom of God. What's born to flesh is flesh. What's born of spirit belongs to spirit. He says, then, how does that happen? How does one become born of the spirit? But Jesus says, how can you be a teacher of Israel and not understand how one is born by the spirit? Watch and see. Let the things that you see teach you. Jesus says, if you're a teacher, then you're going to have to learn. Watch and listen. If I told you about earthly things, you don't believe. How can, I, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? So if you don't understand what I'm saying then how are you going to understand the deeper things, the, the more difficult things that I'm trying to explain to you? Nicodemus comes to him at night because he's afraid of the people who are around him. Nicodemus is going to show up two more times in John's, uh, in John's gospel of, of Jesus Christ. He shows up here, and then he's going to show up again in chapter 7, when the Pharisees are, uh, they're, they're trying to kill Jesus. And he gets up and he sort of, kind of defends Jesus. Not quite, just sort of, kind of. He, he basically says, well, you can't kill him unless there's, you know, a proper trial. We should put him in a, give him a proper trial. And Jesus sort of sneaks away. And then he's going to show up one more time. Who knows when that is? When's the last time that Nicodemus shows up? In John's Gospel. After the right. After the crucifixion. After everything has happened, Nicodemus is going to come and he's going to go, he's going to go along with Joseph of Arimathea. Joseph of Arimathea gives uh, his own tomb for Jesus to be buried in. And Nicodemus is going to bring all of the, the ointment and the resins that are used to preserve the body. And they're going to take the body and they're going to make sure that it's buried correctly. The early writings call him a secret disciple. The secret disciple of Jesus. I think there are lots of places in my life where I'm a secret disciple of Jesus. Places in my heart where 
I want to come to Jesus in the dark. Not necessarily in the daylight. That's embarrassing. I don't like the way that that looks. I don't like the way that it feels. I don't like being put on the spot. So I'm a secret disciple of Jesus. It's not less a disciple. But it's not fully a disciple either. There are lots of places in my own heart that are not completely disciples. Because when Nicodemus comes to Jesus, he asks him this series of questions. But really, the questions that he's asking is, Jesus, are you one who can give us answers to the hard questions that we have? Jesus, are you the one that we have been hoping for? Jesus, do you have reasons for us to believe? Are you revealing to us what we want? Are you the one in whom all the things that we are hungry for will be satisfied? Because inside Nicodemus, there is a wilderness. There's a hungry place inside of him that wants to know Jesus, that wants to trust in Jesus. But he's afraid. He's afraid of what it's going to cost him. He's afraid of what he might lose. He's afraid of what other people are going to think about him. He's afraid of what effect it's going to have on the rest of his life. There's fear and there's hunger in Nicodemus. And even though he does so in sort of a cringy way, he still seeks Jesus out. He still comes to sit beside Jesus. He comes to ask Jesus to teach him. What a place we would be in if we didn't have this conversation between Nicodemus and Jesus. Can you think about your Bible without John 3, 16 and 17 in it? Without this conversation about you must be born again. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. We have these words of Christ spoken to us because a secret disciple, in the midst of his fearfulness, in the midst of his sin, in the midst of his hunger, still sought out. Jesus. And while it may be true that there are parts in our own hearts that are secretly discipled, Jesus is still there with us. Jesus is still inviting us to encounter him. Jesus is still interested in baptizing the wilderness that exists inside our own hearts. All of those lonely places, all of those forgotten places, all of those all of those broken places, all of those hungry places, Jesus is there with us in the midst of our wilderness. And he says to Nicodemus, just like he says to us this morning, this is how God loves. In the midst of your wilderness, in the midst of your brokenness, in the midst of your hunger and your need and your want, this is how God loves loves. He gives us his son. Everything that the father has, he pours out to the son for the sake of the son. Everything that he has, everything that he is, holding nothing back, expecting nothing in return. Everything that the father is, he gives to the son. And this is the way that the father loves us. He gives us the son. Sit with that for a second. That's the way that the Father loves. He gives us 
his son. Everything that he has, his beloved, now belongs to us. Is now one of us. Is now a part of us. That's the way that the Father loves us. Not just this is the way the Father loves you. Not just this is the way the Father loves me. This is the way that the Father loves the world. You and me and the whole of creation. That's the word that John uses here. This is the way that the Father loves the world. By giving it his son. The way that the Father loves creation and all of its parts is that he gives himself. God gives God's self to us, holding nothing back, expecting nothing in return. A gift. A gift for you and for me. For all of us. He gives himself to us. His only son. His only begotten son. His beloved son. He gives to us the thing in his eyes that is most precious, most beautiful, most wonderful, most loved. God gives God's self to us so that we might believe. Now, we've got some hang-ups with that word believe, because for us, when you say, do you believe in God, it's sort of like asking, do you believe in Bigfoot? <laughs> it's this thing that, you know, is sort of out there, but, you know, you're like, well, I've seen evidence, and I saw that video on YouTube, and there's a series about it on the History Channel, and so, yeah, I think I kind of believe in that. That's not at all what John is asking us to do. This word that he uses, believe, so that all those who believe in him doesn't mean that at all. What it means is do you belong to Jesus? Do you belong to him? Do you trust in Jesus? Do you surrender yourself to Jesus? Do you embrace Jesus? Will you be changed by Jesus? Do you pledge allegiance to this new standard that God is raising up in your midst? Do you see the way that God loves you? Will you belong to that? That's what Jesus says. He says, I didn't come into the world to condemn the world. I came into the world so that through me the world might be saved. So that the world could belong to me the way that I now belong to the world. Do you want to belong to God the way that God has given himself to you? Everything that you have, everything that you are, holding nothing back, expecting nothing in return. I like the idea of it, but it scares me. I want to hold on. I want, I want to, to hang on to some control. I don't want to give my full allegiance over to that. I don't want to give everything that I have. It scares me because those wilderness places inside my own heart become comfortable after a while. I like the idea of being in control.
I like being the one who's in charge of making sure that I have all of the things that I need and all of the things that I want. I don't want to let go of my autonomy. I don't want to stop being the boss. Jesus offers us this gift. This gift to see in him the way that the Father loves. To see in him who God is. And then to be changed by that. To encounter God's love revealed to us in the person of Jesus Christ. There was an Anglican priest named, uh, named uh, Reginald Fuller. And he was talking about this passage and said this. The very sight of Christ crucified has the power to bring repentance and faith. The very sight of Jesus crucified has the power to change us. Jesus said, when I'm lifted up in the wilderness, when I'm lifted up on high, when I'm lifted up the way that Moses lifted up the serpent, all those who believe will have eternal life. He says later on in John's gospel, when I'm lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. I will draw all those who belong to me to me. The cross has the power to change us. Simply being near to the cross, simply being in that space, in that place has the power to change us because this is how God loves the world. Like this. Everything that he has, everything that he is, poured out for you, for me, holding nothing back, expecting nothing in return. That's the way that God loves us. <coughs> and he's inviting us to hear his words of love and comfort, his words of healing and forgiveness that he spokes, that he speaks over the wilderness inside our hearts so that we can choose life, so that we can choose faith, so that we can believe and then go and speak those words to each other. Because every single one of us who's sitting here this morning has those broken, barren wastelands inside of us. And we need to hear Jesus' words of healing and forgiveness spoken to us. And Jesus is here today, this morning, ready to speak those words to us. But Jesus is inviting us this morning to join him in the work that he is doing, to join him in speaking those words of healing and comfort and forgiveness to each other. When that happens, our lives are transformed into images of Christ. We become icons of God's love so that when they look at us, when we look at each other, we see Christ reflected. We see there a standard raised up in the wilderness that draws everyone to itself. We have the chance to become Christ crucified to each other. 
to bring that same healing and wholeness and healing and forgiveness into each other's lives. But we do that first by allowing him to be forgiveness and healing and wholeness in our own hearts. And that's his invitation to us today. Come to the table. Be made whole. Be made one. And then go out into the world to love and serve the Lord, to speak healing and life over the wildernesses in each other's hearts.